please, ma'am, please, sir, to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 through 9. It's a familiar passage. Just because it's familiar don't mean it's not faithful to us. Amen. Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 through 9. This word is for you. It's not for your neighbor. It's for you. Amen. Amen. So you can take it easy on your neighbor today. This is for you. Galatians chapter 6, 7 through 9 says, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. You may be seated. Where have I sown? Where have I sown? Paul's epistle to the Galatian church was mingled with his intention to revive them towards previous practice that worked for them, but for some reason was halted. Well, this, this church and this particular epistle is pastoral in nature. Many theologians contend that the epistle to the Galatians mirrors nuances of Solomon's writing style in Proverbs. What boosted is Paul is doctrinal, not just proverbial. His advice to them, his words of wisdom to them is centered around the Holy Spirit's activity in the life of the Galatians. Chapters 5 and chapter 6, respectively, in the book of Galatians, he wants the Galatian people to get to a place where they can see their lives housed not with God, but in God. That it's not just enough to, to, to say his name and to know him. That if, if the fruit of the Spirit is to emanate from you, the seed then has to be in you. But you as 
person, you as a believer, have to also be in the spirit. And he does not suggest, there's nothing in the book of Galatians that suggests that uh, uh, being in the spirit is an emotional thing. There's nothing in Galatians to suggest that being in the spirit has something to do with how you act. But he's talking about where your faith is, where, where your actions emanate from. He, he speaks as one who views God not just as a person, but as a location. That out of all the places you can invest oneself, you should invest in the spirit of God. And it raises a theme. And this theme is something I would like to sort of pluck in your minds today and, and, and play with your intellect just for a few moments. And get you and I to see that when we speak of stewardship of our lives, of our money, of our time, etc., we usually view things external from us that we have as things to invest, and we're not false to say that. We're not wrong to say that. But what's missed is we are seed. And it's important for us to treat ourselves like something to not only invest in, but something to be vested into. All right, I walk a little slower. It's important that we know what we're investing, that we understand the amount of what we're investing. And even when we talk about ourselves, it's important for us to know who we are. We are specifically divine, designed by God, divinely designed. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. We are significant. We are significant. We matter to God. We matter to Him. And it matters then that we be vested correctly. But it's not just enough for us to know how valuable we are. We should also know where we are to be invested. Yes, sir. I said another way. Where we invest is as important as what we invest. All right. Uh, uh, I'll go elementary with it then. If you have it to spend, you have the right to do it. Yeah. Go to the mall, spend $100 on some shoes. All right. Right. You have the right to do that, the freedom to do that. But if your goal is to build your money, the shoe store is an unwise place to go. The same $100 that buys you a pair of shoes can also buy you stock in the shoe company. Same $10, $20 you spend every week on the lottery is the same $20 every week you can invest in an, in an IRA, in a Roth IRA in your bank account somewhere where you can obtain it and your money can 
you instead of you always. Amen. Amen. Working for it. That's true in the natural. And if this principle is true in the natural, friends, please get this. It has to be true. In the spiritual. If you view your lives as something valuable, don't church isn't informing you. It's not because there's a system against you. It's because you have not paid attention to where you're investing your life. And yes, it is possible for us to invest our lives in something, no matter the circumstance, so that our lives are full, free, and fruitful. And this is really what Galatians 6, 7 through 9 is all about. That's exactly what this text is about. God is teaching the Galatians through Paul and speaks through the annals of time to you and I to tell us no, no matter what circumstances we are in, if we put our lives in the proper place, God guarantees that we will be blessed. I'm going to say it again for myself. When you put yourself in the right place, God guarantees that you will be blessed. I know that sounds like prosperity stuff. Listen, this is just the Bible. God guarantees when you put yourself in the 
the half right. Amen. Before us to understand that, I think there's three things that need to be laid bare in this text. And I hope you didn't close your Bibles because I really feel like preaching today. Verse 7, there's a phrase that's often skipped when we preach this text. And it's the first phrase in the text. In verse 7 of chapter 6. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. My first, first point here that will save us and free us is God is not a fool. Amen. Your neighbor didn't hear me say that. Just look at somebody and tell them God is not a fool. God is not a fool. Fire up. 
is not food. That's really point number one. Second point in this sermon is this. Please get this. Number two, God's ways are foolproof. God's ways, point number two, are foolproof. Look at verse seven. Verse seven says, God is not mocked for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. No person will sow apple seeds and get oranges. That's Genesis 8, 22. See, you time to harvest. No, no person will plant, plant green beans and get black-eyed peas. You get what you plant. You get what you plant. Right? Verse 8, For he that sow to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that sow to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. Two principles, earthly and spiritual, that exist in the same sphere. Here it is. God's ways works because they are his ways. And if they are practiced, they will work the way he says they can work. If, a, if, if the Bible says that whatever a person sows, that's what they reap, then that's it. I know that some of you might say, no, I, I, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that. And that's because often we, with our lust, we determine that what we wish was our fruit, we see it as fruit in someone else's life. And what we don't know is what we think is fruit might not be fruit at all. It could just be blossoms that precede the fruit. That whatever you plant, that's what you get. Really, God's way works like this. Are you ready? Here it is. God's way really works like this. Please write this down. Here is God's way. Number one, we reap what we sow. But here's number two. We reap where we sow. Help us. So if your life is invested in the right place, that's where you'll get the fruit. So where are we to sow in our lives? It's right here in the text. Is your Bible open? Look, verse 8. There's two places we can sow. I can sow to my flesh. Let me give you this addendum before I explain this. I can sow to my flesh and it's not sinful necessarily if I sow into my flesh. But no matter if it's sinful or not, if I sow into the flesh, the result is corruption. I need to explain this. Here it is. When we look at that word corruption in the Greek context, uh, well, in the KJV, when we look at that, we immediately run towards sin because we are so sin conscious that we think that corruption is punishment. And this has nothing to do 
punishment in the natural as much as it is the reality of everything that lives. Everything that lives ends. Okay, 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 okay. Keep keep putting that uh, noxema on your face and wrinkle cream and Botox, whatever you're doing. Get rid of them wrinkles, they still gonna find you. Amen. Drink water every day. I mean, it's right to drink water every day, to eat right every day. It's right to do that. But one of these days, with all of that, no matter if you live to be 150 years old, one of these days, in the natural, your life will come to an end. We can sow into the flesh, but we get corruption from the flesh, which literally means this. When you sow into the flesh, nothing you sow will last. Your marriage one day is going to end, whether through death or divorce. Your job one day is going to end, either, either by you retiring, getting fired, quitting, getting another job, that job closing down, corporation being outsourced to another country. Your, your relationships will end. You're going to get tired of them. They might get tired of you. They might die before you die. You might die before them. The relationship is over. Anything in the flesh in. You can sow into the flesh. And listen, not telling anybody to not make investments into your flesh. Be a good steward over your body. Be a good steward over the things that God has allowed you to have. But understand this. One day, your stewardship will end. I can sow into the flesh. Or, look at the verse. I can sow into the spirit. But he that soweth to the spirit shall of the spirit Reap life everlasting. Here it is. I can sow to the flesh. And no matter how good it gets, it's going to end. But I can sow to the spirit. And everything I sow to the spirit lasts forever. I can invest my life into myself. And have a good life, and it will still end. But if I invest my life into the Holy Spirit, which means give myself to Jesus Christ, believe that He died for me and God raised Him up, if I make that investment into Him, He gives me something that does not end. And what He gives me is everlasting life. Life. Everlasting. Now, 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 you ain't shouting because you forgot what everlasting means. You forgot what everlasting means. I, I knew you was going to forget the last time I mentioned that word. So I'll remind you again. This word in the Greek context literally means this. Everlasting is something that does not have a beginning. Or an ending. Here's the philosophy behind the word everlasting. If something didn't have a beginning, it can't have an end. Right, 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 right. 
enough to give itself a beginning so far in the past that it can't be cataloged. So here it is. God has no beginning. No one made God. No one conjured him up. No one invented God. God is the very scale by which time is measured. Time didn't come into existence until God said, let there be light. I'm trying to help somebody. And there was light. Jesus was with God. The Bible says the same was in the beginning with God. If I believe that Jesus died, the Holy Spirit then dwells in me. That's a sign that I'm now in Jesus. If I'm in Jesus, I'm inside someone who predates time because Jesus, just like God, does not have a beginning. And since he doesn't have a beginning, he cannot have an end. That's why when you get saved, that's the greatest choice you can make. Because when you die on this side in Jesus, your life doesn't end. Your life still exists.
in due season, you shall reap if you faint not. You can shout right there if you feel it. You've made the investment. And now there's the period between your initial deposit and when you can withdraw. And so, and so I'm waiting for when I can see the dividends add up. Here it is. In the natural, you get a statement. You get something to tell you things have gotten better. <laughs> but in this life, we don't get a statement that tells us how the investment is doing. And here's the reason why. We don't need a statement because there's nothing that can happen between our deposit and withdrawal that can keep us from what we were promised to receive based on our original agreement. Amen. See, see, what Donald Trump does overseas and the idiotic words he says have the potential to affect the money that you've invested. But there's nothing anyone can say that can ever affect what Jesus has promised right. through his word. Amen. Glory to God. Here it is. Faith in God and his way is what guarantees the harvest. And the key for us is not quitting too soon. Uh, uh, there's a story uh, about a gentleman named R.U. Darby. R.U. Darby during the gold rush was fascinated with how much money people were making digging for gold in, in California and Idaho and new veins had been discovered in Colorado and he took his nephew who ended up writing his story with him to look for some gold. It just so happened he was one of the first few to come up on uh, some, some unclaimed spaces. He claimed a space and he and his nephew began to dig. Darby dug and wouldn't you know it, after not digging for very long, they found some sprinkles of some shiny dust. After, after testing that dust, it was concluded that they had gold and so they kept on digging, digging so much so that he had just enough money to cover the loans he had secured for the equipment that he was digging with. He took some of that money, went back to Maryland, where he was originally from, and he got some more Kansas people who worked in coal mines, brought them with him to Colorado because now we're going to dig and find gold. But wouldn't you know it, they dug and dug and dug and dug and dug and found nothing. He was brokenhearted and dejected. His feelings had been hurt. He had staked a lot on this gold being found. He believed he had the right spot. He checked his, his list. He checked it twice. 
this should have been the place, but all he had was dirt and debt. Wouldn't you know it? Wouldn't you know it? He ended up, after his last day of digging, hooking up with a garbage man. And this garbage man bought old mining equipment. This garbage man gave Darby a deal on his equipment so he could pay his remaining debts. Darby and his nephew went back to Maryland, but the junk man had another plan. The junk man knew a lot of failed gold mines. And he had soaked up enough gain from everybody's failures that he had the sense to call a trained geologist. The geologist comes and runs some soil sample tests and tells this junk man, after a few tests, if you play it right, I believe that you're in a main gold vein. The junk man says to this geologist, how far do I need to dig? And the geologist said, three feet. The junk man, who didn't know nothing about mining, had enough sense to recognize that Darby had quit too soon. And Darby's lasting legacy is this. I was three feet from being a billionaire. I was dirt and debt away from being a billionaire. I would have had everything I wanted if I had not quit. Now you saying, that's a shame. But many of you in this room, you were close to something. Amen. And instead of you just going right on the head, what you had started, you decided because your feelings got hurt. You decided because the clouds gathered. You decided since you had fear and doubt in your mind that you had gone as far as you can go and you found the nearest jump man and sold him all of your equipment. My word for somebody here as I take a seat is this. Don't quit before you finish. Don't give up before you finish.
Yeah. <laughs>